Welcome to Hit The Real, the podcast where we talk about the entertainment that we consume and what we really think about it. I'm one of your hosts, Michael, and my house motto would be uh, passion and fury. And this week I'm joined by my co-host and friend, and Jesse, I'm going to just ask you straight out, what's your house motto? That's what she said. <laughs> okay then you like that yeah i like it it's a good one i don't i don't know if it would really hold up in the uh <laughs> in westeros but uh sure yeah yeah it would make them pause and you know contemplate what they just read or heard so we'll take it <laughs> i do i do like it it's uh you know it's in the same line of you know the the winter is coming it's more of just a statement, um, less of a, a uh, words to live by or a, a declaration of intent or passion, uh, of, uh, intent or um, goals. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Some of those house mottos are kind of lackluster, so I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so this week, we're going to be talking about something that's ended... A, a, a little bit ago didn't it it was uh, i think it wrapped up in early october yeah. early october i want to say so it's been about a month or maybe more uh october 23rd it looks like so okay we're just about, about a month yeah okay so closer to the end i uh <laughs> we we did uh had a we got kind of busy and weren't able to watch the last couple episodes as they were coming out. So I kind of forgot when it actually ended. But. Oh, oh, I see. Um, just to be clear, I don't think we actually specified. Uh, this episode, we're going to be talking about House uh, House of the Dragon, um, the newest addition into the HBO feeding George R. R. Martin's uh, lifestyle edition uh, into the great Game of Thrones or A Song of Ice and Fire uh, universe feeding his bank account and ensuring that he finish his series if he doesn't want to yeah no he'll just keep doing things like this um and write other books that have nothing to do with the main series that he started in and he'll just dance around other things <laughs> yeah work on some tv uh pilots some scripts maybe yeah i i guess sure um <laughs> They did bring him on as like one of the prime writers for this series, but also brought in a few others um, to kind of support and probably do some lifting. I'm assuming um, based on I'm pretty sure one of the writers actually had already suggested a spinoff series uh, set in the Game of Thrones universe um, mm -hmm. and yeah just seems like i don't know i struggle figuring out if martin actually writes anything or if he just supervises stuff sometimes yeah I, I, like i said i think he's at that point where if he doesn't want to work another day in his life he probably doesn't have to um however long that winds up being right I, so. I i have to feel bad for that poor um publisher uh whoever i'm not entirely sure 
um, the person that's essentially in charge of his account to be like, hey, Martin, you know how you're going to give us that other book for that series? Mm-hmm. How's it coming? And they just like, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm working on it. And that person's boss is like, get it by the end of next week or you're fired. And then he's just like, oh, my God, I can't do anything. We fed him so well. <laughs> I mean, A Dance with Dragons, which was book five in A Song of Ice and Fire series, was released in 2011. So we're going on 12 years since the last book came out. So yep. I'm not holding my breath at this point. Uh, yeah. It's him and uh what's his name? Roth Rothfuss from the King Killer Chronicle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kill me. I mean, it's one of those things sometimes I this is very off topic of the the, the HBO show and a, a small bit of the book um that it's based on. But uh it's always crazy to me. It just sucks so much when authors because you have authors like Brandon uh, Brandon Sanderson, who was just like, "Hey, but guess what? I'm going to kickstart uh, like me releasing like five books that I worked on over the pandemic," and mm. people are like, "Yeah, we'll back that." And he's just like, "Cool. These are like the concepts of them, and they're all very different and very unique and fun and interesting." And also, by the way, I'm going to still keep doing all that other writing I'm doing. And it's just crazy to me that these like some authors have like this outpouring of like ability and like muse just strikes them and they're able to just pour out this stuff. And then you have other authors who have still cool ideas, but then, you know, don't do anything. <laughs> just I like, mean, yeah. yeah. We, we all work at our own pace, and I certainly won't fault an author if they're not simultaneously cranking out a bunch of other projects while working on a you know long, long-term spanning fantasy series. But 11 years, man. Fuck. <laughs> let's, let's go. Let's, let's, let's pick up the pace here. I mean, you look at it and it's like uh, the first book in A Song of Ice and Fire came out in 1996. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Clash of Kings, second book, came out in 1998. Uh, a Storm of Swords came out in 2000. So, you know, that's a four-year gap. Uh, sorry, two-year gap there. Um, and very acceptable pace. Yeah, like that's, it's, you know. And then uh, a, a, feast, uh, a Feast of Crows came out in 2005. It's a little bit longer of a gap, but still like acceptable. I feel like I feel like that one was a little bit thicker, um, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. And then a Dance of Dragons came out in 2011, and it's like, oh, okay, cool. I even remember that, like, because I I was into Game of Thrones, and I think I I I don't think I've talked about it here before. Um, this might be a good start to. <laughs> to specify i do have a little bit of bias when we go into talking about this um i loved the game of thrones books um in the i love the song of ice and fire books and i started reading it at i think like around uh i think in the early two like i think almost like 2000s um and I 
in fact, read a, a Clash of Kings first because uh, we picked it up at a at the library because I was on audiobook and I was listening to it on a trip and I was very confused, but it was still very engrossing. Uh, and I was like, who the hell is this Ned Art Stark guy that everyone keeps talking about? Man, he sounds really important. Why, why do I feel like I should know him? And then I later like got on a computer and realized it was a series. But I got through the first uh, three books by listening to them because they were uh, available through audio. And then the fourth book came out and I read the fourth book myself, which is which is a pretty big feat when, you know, I'm dyslexic and it does take me a little bit longer to read through this. It's a little bit more of a struggle. Um, mm -hmm. I don't retain as well as if I can hear it. And I did the same thing with the dance of dragons. Um, and it just, I became very frustrated by, I think after dance of dragons, like being like, wow, this guy is, and especially when the HBO series came out, because then it just really felt like he stopped caring about like people like me that were part of this like original like, oh, I, I was telling people about it in college. Like you have to read this series before the Game of Thrones thing was even ever announced. Mm -hmm. um, and it just it felt like it kept, like I it's a bad fandom thing to feel that way. But it felt like I got abandoned because he then got to get paid to be a part of the HBO stuff and the HBO stuff was skyrocketing and I started watching it and I was very upset because I was like, man, I've read through this book and I know that this character relationship is very important and they're not developing it here. And if they don't develop it here in two books, they're not going to be able to develop it anymore. And then in this, the, the fifth book, that relationship isn't going to mean as much when this moment happens. So mm -hmm. I got very frustrated about that being like, they're kind of like cutting out what will be important things. And then when Martin was just like, man, I'm going to take my book series and go home because everyone's figured out the secret ending to my book, which wasn't really hard to figure out. And then it just kind of, yeah. So I have a little bit of bias. Just want to specify that right now. <laughs> sure. I think bias is okay in these types of discussions. Myself, I started reading the books after I watched the uh, first season or two of the show, I think. So my perspective is probably a little bit different. Um, I think... The first three books are brilliant. I think they're probably maybe the three best fantasy books I've ever read. I think book four is an absolute slog to get through and was really boring because he removed all the characters that I liked and introduced some ones that I didn't really care about. And then five feels kind of disjointed and not as much fun to read either, but it's a little better because you get more of those characters back and that's kind of where I have been left with the book. So I am at this point curious to see how the rest of his series would play out and the differences from what happened in the Game of Thrones HBO series. Um, I love this lore. I love, again, those three books. I love the world building that he created. I think it's, it's very fascinating. And I like that it's subvert some of the typical cliches that you see in the fantasy genre. 
Um, as far as what HBO has done is concerned, I think I actually disagree with you a little bit. I think the first season is really faithful adaptation, all things considered. And there are some differences, of course, but that's going to come with the territory of any adaptation. And then the further you get into it, it's kind of what Martin has referred to as the butterfly effect, where when they're making changes to characters or certain events, those changes become more widespread and impact more and more events in the narrative the further you move along in the story. And you, you notice that more and more, but I thought, you know, those first four seasons were all really good of the show. Uh, the last three, <laughs> pretty up and down, uh, uh, particularly with how things wrapped up. But uh, I also don't care a whole lot for books four and five, which are what some of the latter seasons are based on. So for me, it's kind of one and the same in the sense that I just didn't really, I didn't think they were as good. I felt like it started to lose steam as, as it got further into the series. Yeah, I think uh, that's it's I actually never watched the series Jesse pass. Uh, I think it was probably maybe halfway through season three. Um, just because I, again, was just very frustrated with what, like, what was happening and how it kind of felt. Like I said, I felt very early on that Martin had just pretty much abandoned the process uh and that also the fact that it was like cool we're gonna burn it's gonna be a, a book per season boom mm -hmm. boom 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 like that's what they're gonna knock out and i was just like that it's just they're gonna lose stuff there's gonna be things that are brought up that aren't gonna be that aren't gonna be able to either a have the time or not brought up at all uh and mm -hmm. that kind of frustrated me because i was like there's there's characters there's growth there's parts of the story there, there's things that make this story great that are going to get thrown out on the wayside because they they don't have time to fill for you know 10 uh 10 hour long episodes you know and so i quickly dropped out and all all i know is, is that the last season uh was very bad uh, a lot of people didn't like it and didn't like how it was wrapping up and everyone was real mad about it. So um, <laughs> that that's my only frame of reference. Yeah, the quality, I mean, deteriorated. Yeah, sorry, sorry, try again. The quality deteriorated significantly as the season uh, reached its conclusion. And I would agree with that sentiment that the last season was bad quote-unquote um i all but again i also think that the overall trajectory of the series was heading down anyway because i thought books four and five were subpar compared to the first three so i'm a little kind of see things a little more gray in terms of which is the better medium to consume this series i think there's there's pros and cons of both, um, but I think overall it, it gets weaker as you move along. And I think that being said, it kind of squashed my enthusiasm for, you know, any future spinoffs or any other Game of Thrones books or Song of Ice and Fire books or what have you.
Fair. Okay. <laughs> I mean, so it's important to frame it that way so I can kind of give some credence to my my perspective going into House of the Dragon. No, I think it's I I think it's very fair, Jesse. I mean, like I I feel like I have to specify that you know I have a pretty harsh bias coming into the the House of yeah. Dragon. I think I texted you like, uh, the deal you made was that you would move um and or higher up on your watch list if i watched up to five episodes of house of the dragon right mm -hmm. and i was like all right fine challenge accepted i'm gonna do this and i i think it was the very either the very same day or the, the next day i can't remember exactly my phone's in the other room um but i pretty much like told you i was like i hate this so much that just i'm so irritated and you told me I didn't have to continue doing it. And I was like, no, I'm doing it. And this is this is a thing. I'm gonna make this happen. At that point, you're just glutton for punishment, bro. Yeah, I know, right? Um, but I pushed myself specifically, not just because I wanted uh not just because I was like, no, I want Jesse to watch Andor more, so I'm gonna suffer through this. But at a certain point, I was watching it and was going like, okay, I want, to, I want to see where this is going. And I pushed through this first episode, and I pushed through the second episode, and I pushed through the third episode. And I got to the fourth episode, and I was like, oh my gosh, just one more episode, and I could be done with this. And I got to the fifth episode, and I was like, well, I'm already halfway through. I might as well keep going. And I pushed through the sixth episode. And then I got to the seventh episode. And do you know what happened, Jesse? Hmm. I actually kind of liked it. Interesting. We'll have and then to, I got. We'll have to talk about that in the spoiler section. Yeah. Right. Uh, then I got to the eighth episode, and I was like, "Holy cow! Where, where, where the hell's this show been all my life? This is. A, I'm loving this. Where the fuck? Where, where the? Where was this for the other preceding episodes? Mm -hmm. And then I thought about how. Um, Breaking Bad was on HBO, right? No, that was AMC. Oh, that was AMC. Why am I thinking? Oh, was uh, The Wire? The Wire was HBO. That's what I was thinking of. Where they're like, you have to watch it, but you have to get through like the first few episodes of like the first season or two. Um, these types of shows where they're like, you have to push through it to get to the good stuff. And I've never understood that. I've never been like, no, I, I want the first episode to be good to be good. And then I want the second and third episode to also be good. And if it gets great later on, then I'm okay with that. I don't want to slog through shit to get to the golden kernel that's in there. I don't think season one of Breaking Bad is as bad as people make it out to be, but I I have heard that as well. So but yeah. So then, uh, so I got to see, I got to episode eight, right? Uh, and then I got to episode nine. Mm -hmm. And then do you know what happened at episode nine, Jesse? Uh, you got let down again. I got let down again. It was, it was back to being stupid. Mm -hmm. And then episode 10, which is like, okay, cool. We're back to be, okay, okay. Episode nine wasn't a fluke. It's just back to being stupid. Cool, 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 cool. So, yeah, I just make I don't I don't know. It just I was watching it all over again. Uh, 
I was um, I was reading over my notes because that's how much I was I was mad and frustrated. Right. I love malicious compliance. Uh, I was taking notes on what was happening so I could be pe prepared to discuss it and like uh, uh, like express my thoughts and feelings in those exact moments. But it was just. I was watching it and then got to a point was like, wow, this is what I want out of a show like this. This is what's the interesting part, not the gore, not the grotesqueness of this, the, 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 these humans. That's not what I want to see in this particular um, media. I want to see more, you know, political intrigue, less we're going to beat some guy's face in type stuff. Yeah, I, uh, I have not read the novel Fire and Blood, which is what this was adapted from. I am vaguely familiar with some of the lore uh, proceeding up to the events of the Song of Ice and Fire series with the Targaryens and the Dance of Dragons and all that stuff. So I, I kind of had an idea of what to expect, but I, I really didn't know that much, which was fine. Um, my whole thing, again, was I just, after how this how the show ended and just you know how the how the book series is kind of petered out unfortunately to where it's it's just kind of a running gag at this point they're coming they're gonna be amazing as south park would say <laughs> yes um i just i just don't i find myself not caring i feel pretty indifferent to a lot of it but we'll check out the show because on HBO Max and it's you know whatever. I thought this was okay. I it wasn't my least favorite fantasy epic ever. I certainly did not love it. I just felt kind of very, very in between, you know, those two spectrums the entire time. Like this was a thing, it was on, I watched it, but I didn't have any strong emotional reactions to anything. And I thought about this a little bit, and it certainly, you know, it looks like Game of Thrones, the TV series. It sounds like Game of Thrones, especially when they queue up the Game of Thrones theme song for the intro after the ah. first episode, um, which, <laughs> yeah, reactionary much. Um, I just, uh, yeah, I, I didn't really feel the investment or the momentum behind anything that was happening in this, in this compared to how I felt watching the first season of game of Thrones, I didn't feel a ton of intrigue to what was happening and not really a spoiler alert. Cause I'm pretty sure they talked about this uh, in the press releases and such leading up to the show. I did not care at all for, how many time jumps there were in this series. So there were a lot of things that unfortunately just, you know, kind of took me out of it. I, there were some things that I enjoyed. I thought some of the performances were pretty good. I certainly enjoy being back in this world, but it just, it does not feel special anymore. It feels like a thing that went on for eight seasons that kind of flamed out at the very end. And now it exists 
to fund the pockets of the new CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery. So that's that's kind of how I feel about it. It it was okay. It it feels like it exists to make money. I mean, that's a pretty good statement. I feel like Jesse, it exists to make money, <laughs> which. Obviously, you could say that about a lot of things. Uh, it's a profit-driven industry, after all, but it just doesn't feel like a lot of care or a lot of time or a lot of effort went into anything. It, it, it feels pretty by the numbers for if you were to tell somebody what the premise of this show was. It feels like it pretty much goes the way that you would expect it to. And there's just not, there's not a lot of, there aren't a lot of surprises here. It, it feels pretty by the numbers to me. Uh, I had to agree with you. It was, I, the other night when we were out, uh, I mentioned to you that I was like, it feels like what Game of Thrones writers think people wanted in Game of Thrones um and like why they were coming to see game of thrones and like it's clear to me that it's a it's again it's that there's the hints of george r R. martin's writing in there but it just feels like it's the watered down version that we were getting what i felt like we were getting a game of thrones um i consistently thought these people are it's there's like none of these characters actually have real motivations that i believe in other Mm -hmm. than this is what the author or this is what the writer told them to do because the plot has to advance forward choices Mm -hmm. were made by characters that i'm like why would what are you doing why are you doing this and not in like a fun i'm engaged i'm like going like what's going on or like being frustrated or mad at a character that does happen at one point in the series surprise surprise in episode seven and eight when it got good where i was just like why are you doing that that's such a terrible thing like getting excited about the moment more of sitting back going why did the writer tell you to do this why are you doing this because the writer told you to and that's where my frustration really came out of and was just being like these are dumb decisions that characters are making because that's what has to advance the story and not because that's what the character would do in the story um yeah yeah it doesn't feel very organic at all it it feels pretty fan fictiony in some respects um and again i haven't read the original novel so don't know how much of that is faithfully adapted and how much of it was added safe to assume that there were at least some things added that weren't in the novel but yeah i mean it it's kind of the same feeling i had going from say the original star wars trilogy to watching the phantom Menace for the first time um where sure that that was the star Wars we grew up on. So it's a little more nostalgic, I guess, but it does, it feels very hollow in that regard. And it, it's supposed to be the same thing, but it it doesn't really feel like it's coming from the same 
world that the other stories exist in, even though the setting and the environment and the ca characters and their names are, are all similar. Yeah. And I, I too haven't read the book um, mostly because uh, before this moment, when I say this moment, I mean, before we started talking about this, uh, I definitely didn't realize that this was based off of um, something different. Uh, I thought, so it's, it's based off of the book uh, fire and blood. Yep. And I had thought it was based off of a different book that I remember seeing, uh, which was more of like an encyclopedia fun kind of world building book. And mm -hmm. I thought that's what they had been basing it off of. And I thought it just had gotten a new cover. So I didn't realize that it was a different kind of book or I would have done probably a little bit more prep for this episode. But I did uh, kind of go to a lot of my sources when I'm trying when I've like gone through uh, some of this media stuff. And then I want to get like secondary uh, thoughts and hear uh, you know, that way I'm just not shouting into an echo chamber in my head. I like to listen to other people and like hear some other thoughts and like listen to some stuff just because it may helps me be like, oh yeah, I do see that point. Mm -hmm. And th that's why I feel like I'm not going to be as ranty as I was going to be when I got done with episode 10 and I was like, God, I'm going to burn this show like a dragon breathing fire. Even though those aren't dragons in the show, they're, the freaking wyverns dragons have four legs and two wings. Those only have two wings and uh, two legs and two wings. And they walk on it. That's not a dragon. That's a wyvern. Why are we calling them dragons? Like that type of anger. Yeah. Um, pure, pure nerd anger, pure nerd anger. Uh, so I didn't realize that this was like a whole book. And in learning about it, I do appreciate what the show's kind of doing. Mm. And in kind of looking into it a little bit more, understanding that, the book uh fire and blood is like a textbook of a maester going back and kind of recanting this time period in history but yeah. he's like far past it he has no experience with it no personal experience whatsoever he's just like writing a textbook and that's the book about the situation that happened the the battle between the reds and the blacks um of the mm -hmm. two sides of the, the 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 houses and he is not he's not even taking first-hand accounts he's getting like or he's sorry he's not giving his first-hand account he's taking quote-unquote first-hand accounts from other people um and through that it implies that this is he is uh an untrustworthy uh narrator mm -hmm. which is great those are always fun but then he's also pulling these accounts from other people who they themselves admit and he admits to being untrustworthy narrators as well because there's three major parts of them there's a uh septum uh one of the religious figures the female mm -hmm. uh another uh i think it was another maester and then a court uh dwarf uh yeah. a jester and they kind of go and like those are the main people and the religious person doesn't want to talk about any of the sex stuff the um maester political figure uh talks kind of like kind of goes like oh yeah that they, you know they could have been effing who knows like you know 
the implications there. And then you have the dwarf who's just a horny little shit. Um, surprise. Surprise. Because it's a George R. R. Martin book. And he loves... T- I mean, we could do a drinking game for George R. R. Martin books uh, like you do with a Stephen King novel. But this guy like talks about like he's like in his thing, it's like a creepy little fan fiction. And I'm sorry, I just realized I used two in reference to uh, in talking about him. I used two uh, small adjectives, and I don't mean that because of his being a little person. I realized that as I was saying that I'm going to apologize now. That's not what I'm meaning. I'm sorry. Um, catching myself there. Uh, but wait, he, wait on it, dude. Nice yeah, time. thank you. Um, he, uh, I think his name is Mushroom. Um, he, he, admittedly, he actually was there, apparently, in the recanting of these stories where he was actually a part of the, the court because he is there to amuse the king. And... <laughs> through that he had access to a lot more of these situations that the religious figure and the other figure uh didn't and so potentially he's the most reliable narrator but then he does things where he talks about like oh yeah and that's when uh 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 uncle sexy dragon guy took uh the young targaryen girl and taught her the ways of love and i was one of those guys that helped teach her the way of love and a bunch of other dudes from the castle guard taught her the ways of love and we taught her to her on the beach and we taught her to her in the mountains and we taught it to her in the silk road and we taught it to her every which way yeah and that's like kind of how it reads and you're like okay well <laughs> uh, you say that but that just kind of seems like you're contradicting your own story that you just told. And now you're telling us all like your creepy fan fiction. I think you should try and do the whole episode in that voice and see how it goes. Oh, thanks. I mean, we'll have to go back and re-record a lot and then I'll have to explain the joke before we even get going. It's going to be hard, Jesse. Yep. Like the dwarf makes himself sound all the time. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. So, I, in learning about the book, it sounds interesting. And then kind of the, from my understanding with the showrunners, they were talking about like this being a much more faithful, uh, not retelling of the events, but this is the, this is more of the true events. And the book is kind of looking at this, which is an interesting, very, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy type, like, where the different medias kind of change and flow and work together and kind of affect each other. I do like the idea that this is like, no, this is what is actually quote unquote. This is what was actually happening. And um, that way you can then read the book and have a different eye and go like, Oh, this is where, this is where the, uh, religious figure was correct and this is where the other two people were way off and this is where the maester was correct and oh the, uh, well i guess i guess mushroom was right here like this makes they, they were just everybody was just fucking so that's i i do have to say i like that part of it at least and learning about this being its whole separate thing yeah i mean that's that's a fun detail for an adaptation and i think for those who have both read the book and now watch the series, I, it kind of gives them some more unique insight into 
that perspective and then they can have some fun you know looking uh, back and forth between the two unfortunately i don't think that does a whole lot for anyone who hasn't read the novel though so in terms of helping the show is just a show and i, I think that kind of gets lost in the shuffle oh yeah no 100 percent agree this is one of those like it's not in the extended universe so it doesn't count type things yeah i feel like but when I learned that and when I like thought about that in framing of the show, I thought it was more inch. I at least thought the concept that was interesting, but it still didn't make me love any of the decisions that were made or looking at the show in a much softer light because I was still just thinking that choice is because the, the writer told that character to make that choice, not because it's a real human choice. No. Yeah, I hear you, man. And, and to kind of wrap up my non-spoiler thoughts, I, again, if if you liked Game of Thrones, the, the TV series, or if you're a fan of the Song of Ice and Fire uh, series of novels, I you know, you can give this a look and see how you feel about it. I think it's probably going to play better for more casual watchers who are just, you know, looking for something to binge for 10 hours or however long it is. Um, I think for anyone who's expecting the next great fantasy epic to play out, I don't think it's going to live up to that. It, it, it certainly didn't come anywhere close to that for me. I would say I, I don't think it's even better than the Witcher, the Netflix TV series, which I, I enjoyed more than this. So it's, it was okay. <laughs> Except when it's not. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's another conversation, but uh, I just, I think one of the biggest problems was I just not feel particularly connected with any of the characters. I didn't feel a strong motivation or a strong empathy for anyone. Um, and I think as a result, feeling detached from these characters who have the, or are supposed to have their own motivations for this upcoming conflict, uh, you kind of just, you know, you, you feel very, you feel very, fairly disengaged when you should be riveted and at the height of your suspense. And that's, that's not where you want to be in something like this. Perfect. Do you want to move on to the spoilery thoughts? Yeah, spoilers. Uh, so if you haven't seen House of the Dragon, please. I mean, you can do what you want, but we're going to talk about spoilers now. So even more. Um, I, to elaborate just a little further on that, I think character-wise, again, everything just feels very by the numbers. Like I've everybody kind of reacts in ways that you would expect them to. They don't feel particularly original in any way. Um, and maybe that's kind of how the novel works. Um, so I don't know, again, how much of that is being adapted or how much of that is being shoehorned in. But I just, it felt for lack of a better word, it felt very dull uh, watching the lack of character progression over these 10 episodes. 
Yeah, I at one point I remember coming out and expressing to Lindsay, I was like, oh, I I don't care about any of these characters and let alone I don't feel like there's anyone I should be caring about. They all seem just kind of shitty. Mm-hmm. So for like for example, uh the ending of episode 10, uh where um, and I, I don't even know names that well, but <laughs> Rainera's kid is fleeing Allison's kid, and he's writing a much Luke? smaller... Yeah, something. I, I don't know. He's <laughs> writing... Uh, yeah, I say I don't know anybody's name. That's, yeah. You know, uh, but the but Rainera's kid is writing a much smaller dragon compared to Allison's kid, who has this massive, I think, female dragon. Um, and there was, you know, it, there's some cool moments there. I particularly liked when the huge dragon was flying behind the cloud and you could see it with the thunder. That was pretty cool. Um, but then, you know, the little dragon gets munched. Uh, Rhaenyra's kid dies. This is supposed to be like one of the pivotal moments, the pivotal moment of this season. This is going to be the event that leads to bloody conflict between these rival family factions and what will kick off the dance with dragons and i just we didn't spend that much time with this kid in the show and the moments that we did get he was just kind of pretty by the numbers for what you would expect we really didn't get to know his dad or see his relationship with renera at all they just kind of threw that in there so i don't know man that just kind of fell flat for me, I was supposed to feel sad, but I felt pretty indifferent in that moment. I mean, uh, funny thing, too, actually, as I was, I told Lindsay, I was like, oh, I'm just one episode away from finishing. And she was like, oh, what? we could watch it together. And I was like, you sure? And she goes, yeah. I said, OK, cool. And so we started watching it and she instantly goes, you know, you can't you just sit here and enjoy this? And I said, you're the one that wanted to watch it with me. It's kind of your own fault. Um, <laughs> and then she goes, I guess that's fair. Um, your idea. Yeah, exactly. I was like, you, you, you wanted this. You were like, let's sit down and watch this together. Um, so. <laughs> but like instantly I saw it and I was like, oh, he's going to die. And she's like, well, she's like, do you have it? She's like, do you, did you like listen to spoilers or anything like that? And I was like. No, but I can tell he's going to die. Like he it's it's clearly telegraphed. We haven't seen him ride a dragon up to this point, and his dragon is the smallest dragon, even compared to normal sized dragons. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's it's very clear he's going to die. He's going to die. I can't telegraph this any harder than having him start the opening narration and every every other character who starts an opening narration in this series dies that episode. Like, there's no possible way we can be telegraphing this any harder. And then it's just like, and she, well, she was like, why? And I was like, well, because his dragon's so small. And she's like, well, and I was like, and it's the smallest dragon we've seen. And she's like, well, I thought he, we've always, and I said, oh, this, I was like, the first time we've seen his dragon too. And it's noted to be small here because it's put with the other dragons. She's like, I thought we've seen it before. And I was like, yeah, but that was like a baby dragon. And that was, we have no frame of reference for like what the growth rate and the sizes are of these dragons because they've spent zero time establishing that. 
Mm -hmm. except for we got a big f off dragon here we've got um you know dr stabby in the butthole uh 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 uh, who over here who's got like a different kind of red dragon who seems sassy and there's a gold dragon who's emotionally connected to her rider and uh, some other dragons but we don't we've never seen like too many of them together to be able to put in frame of reference i was like this kid's gonna die so i don't care about what's happening here because i know he's gonna die because they've telegraphed it so hard mm-hmm. and that's and then he dies and i'm like cool he died and like why did he fly why did he why did he attack the other dragon he's a fucking idiot he got away also here's a crazy thing Ask the Lord for, you know, Lord, I'd be happy to leave, but please let me wait out this storm. I'm an envoy. That's something the Chivalric Code could protect him from. He could sit there because that because he could ask for it because he's a prince of the realm. Even if it's contention, he can still ask as an envoy to be held up there for the evening. And then, or at least until the storm passes. Because that guy is still responsible for him because he died coming away from his palace because he was pushed out. Mm-hmm. That's still a bad thing. That's still going to be bad. Even if he's not the one that let the blood be spilt in his hall, it's as if the blood was spilt in his hall because he forced both of them out. Yeah. So it's just like that. It's like, okay, the little kid, you know, makes I, I do it to say him not touching the sword he's like i'm an envoy i'm not a warrior i'm following the i'm following the rules then yeah but then he goes off and attacks the other dragon it's like no dude don't do that you got the small little dinky ass dragon he's got a huge ass dragon and it's out for blood anyway so yeah so that's part of the problem though right is that we don't get enough time with these characters, so they don't have any defining characteristics. And then when they do get a scene, they don't really take any sort of notable action to help differentiate them from anyone else. So it, it kind of feels like everybody's just lumped in as generic NPCs in this in this TV series, and they're all fairly interchangeable. Yeah, it's all very generico uh characters and but to the time skip thing um it, it was not handled very well in my opinion it i think it was handled better than um the witcher time skips mostly because i yeah. <laughs> it was linear and that's the only reason it was better that and, yeah that was super confusing so <laughs> But and and I'm being clear here. That's the only reason it was better was because that was handling linearly. I actually suggested to Lindsay as soon as like I think I got through three episodes and I or uh, was it they do this time skip after a fourth episode, I think. Um, And then they well they do the initial one and then the big one. It that's like they, they shoehorn a few of them in there. Yeah, there's a few of them in there, but the really big one where they changed the two female character, the two female leads, uh, where they like really they they switch out their two yeah. characters completely. Um, that one was so confusing to me because um, Renera's uh, Renera, 
Renera, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, the white-haired Targaryen princess uh, who wasn't passed over for the crown. Um, oh, she, uh, the princess? Yeah, the, the princess. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's Princess Rhaenys, I think. Rhaenys? I don't Yeah, exactly. Uh, in this show. It's, the it's, daughter of the dying king. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was the princess from the yeah. very beginning. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, never was, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, there's that whole scene where, like, suddenly somebody's giving birth and she's got white hair. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. What's going on here? Who is this person? I don't understand. She's giving birth. Okay, she gave birth. And then... <laughs> the um uh the the guy from uh the from driftmark um yeah comes in uh, only i didn't know it was him. i didn't know i i wasn't sure who it was it was just a guy from driftmark because that's who i've established you know um the the black cast members with the dreadlocks, the white dreadlocks, that's who they are. Okay, cool. I know who the, I, I have a general sense of that. And then it's just like the queen wants to see you. And she's just like, oh my gosh, we have to keep going through this. And I'm like, who's the queen? Who are you? What's going on? <laughs> I don't understand. And then I'm thinking like, oh, oh, is this, is this like a, a, a flashback? Is this the uh, like sea serpent? And the the queen that never was like, is this like a flashback to their the what the birth of one of their children? And then it looks at the baby, and the baby's white, and I'm just like, oh, I, n- no, because they're two kids. What is going on here? Who are these people? And then eventually I figure it out and go, oh, oh, <laughs> this is a huge time skip. Gotcha. Now I'm on board. I would like to propose a small, very easy to do edit that would make the time skips so much easier to understand and help you understand the timeline that we're in. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in the very first episode, they put up that text there, right? That says like, this is the Targaryen era, blah, blah, blah. It's this many years, thousand of years or whatever, before the mad King and the birth of what's her face. Um, Daenerys Daenerys Mm -hmm. in Game of Thrones. It's this many years before that 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 moment in time. Okay. Why couldn't they carry that through the entire thing, but updating that like thousand years, 996 years, uh, this many years, like tell us how many years have passed in a way we can easily, quickly comprehend in a sense that we don't have to do math necessarily. But like something that I can look at and go, oh, time has passed or look at it and go, oh, my gosh, a significant time has passed here. Like 10 years has passed. A lot can happen in 10 years. Gotcha. But they never do that or they never communicate that other than, well, this guy's the uh, doctor uh, stab you in the butthole who here cut his hair short. That that's an indication that time's passed. No, it isn't. That is not an indication that time has passed. Hair grows. <laughs> if it was the other way, I'd been like, oh, time has really passed. Look how long gorgeous his hair is now. Not, oh, he cut it off. Yeah, I, I often think those types of 
I guess you call them cue cards or title cards or what have you, uh, to provide that background expertise. Those types of cue cards to provide that background exposition would be helpful for a lot of shows, not just this one. Um, but even like just some, some linear text here and there to let the audience know what's going on. But I guess, you know, I think a lot of these writers and showrunners maybe feel that they can just work around that and that adding those types of visual aids for the audience will maybe take them out of the experience or I don't know what the reason is, but it's, it seems like it would be helpful. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where I can understand them not adding it and being like, or, or them adding it and people being like, we're, uh, you know, trust your audience. They're smart enough to figure this crap out. Um, but also in the same hand, watching it, I'm thinking, I'm not smart enough to figure this out easily. Like you just, you We're literally not. just threw me into a birthing chamber with random, literally random people and expect me to understand what the hell's happening. Like I didn't get that until they were in this, until the lady with the red hair showed up. And then I was like, Oh, it's Fiona. Fiona's here now. Gotcha. This is, this is, this, is, this, Oh, that means this white haired lady is the princess. And that, oh, now they're all older. Now they're having kids. Cool. Did you say Fiona? Yeah, she was like Fiona. She in that once uh, the the in the marriage, right? Like, in, like Fiona from Shrek. Yeah, she looks like Fiona. She has red hair and she wears that green dress. Oh, that's funny. No, I, was, <laughs> I thought that's what you were alluding to, but yeah, no, that's exactly what I was alluding to because that's exactly what it looks like um that's fair um i have to say the most violent scenes in this show were not on the battlefield they were definitely in the birthing chamber those were graphic i mean yes sorry i just have a real issue with all the the, the violent scenes not in the sense i don't like them or i'm like Ugh, gross violence it's mostly that it feels like so many times they're like, especially in the first episode, like they're like, oh, we got to keep people interested. How are we going to keep them interested? Uh, 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 brutally maim a person. Yeah, that will solve our problem. Not better storytelling. Yeah, they didn't uh, They didn't have a lot of regulations in jousting tournaments back in those days, I guess. But they did. That's the thing. Knights are expect. Sorry, this is real nerdy ranty. But like, this is the part of it where I'm like watching it and going, this isn't like... I don't believe these characters would engage in this joust like this. Like, yes, the act of jousting is incredibly dangerous. Um, I even think there, I can't remember which historical king died from it, but like he took a splinter from a joust. Admittedly, he used to joust without a helmet because that became really popular at one point in time because people were like, oh, that's like shoes the, that shows the bravery of a real man, a okay. noble man. And so they would joust without a helmet. And he took like a giant splinter to the eye, if I remember correctly. So not saying no one died from jousting. But in melees, they didn't use real swords. They didn't use real axes because knights are expensive. Sons are expensive. 
all that shit's real expensive. You don't want them to die like that. Like that one guy gets his face hidden with an ax. <laughs> like that's not how it wasn't gladiatorial fighting. That's not what those were. And I understand because Lindsay pointed it out. She's like, well, this isn't medieval times, but it's emulating these times. It's set around this era of fantasy that we have. And you can't tell me that there's these other rules and these other customs that are very mimicked and like mirrored from our time frame that mimics this and tell me that these other rules throw them out the window because the people want to see blood. It doesn't matter. Or the, uh, the wedding scene where the Kingsguard guy punches that one guy's face in and craters his face. Bullshit. No way. Those Kingsguards suck. They all need to die. They're terrible. Like, he let alone <laughs> beats a man. And in the story, that is another, that's a knight. That is another noble guy. There's okay. no fucking way he doesn't get any sort of ramifications for that. He beat him to death in the crowd. Do you know how it happens in the book? Uh, no, because I didn't read it. I know. Uh, it's almost like I'm just framing that as a device to tell you this answer. Uh, <laughs> he kills him in a jousting match huh. because people die in jousting matches by accident all the time. Hmm. So it's almost like he wouldn't get he there would be no ramifications for him if that happened because it could be considered an accident. Watching him brutally beat somebody to death in the middle of a hall with witnesses everywhere probably wouldn't have happened because it would be a dumb thing and he would be killed. Yeah, it definitely felt like something that was thrown in there for shock and awe rather than anything of substance. Um, also, these knights, they need to form a union because their, their lords are leaving them out to dry in these tournaments. Yeah. It's, I don't know, it's just, the Kingsguard was just so frustrating for me to watch them because so many times I'd be like, wow, do you, do you know a reason? One of the reasons that people there'd be two guard stations outside of a royal's door. Yeah, it's because that way you weren't just watching for people to come in and out. You were watching the other guy. That's the reason you have two guards. So mm -hmm. that way the princess can't go and in you know an effort uh, uh, lord sworn protector because mm -hmm. there would be another guard standing there who would be like at least be like. Mm, you shouldn't do that, buddy. And he would at least be like, yeah, I shouldn't. I shouldn't do that, because if I do that, they'll potentially castrate me, which is what would happen. <laughs> and uh, like disown me and send me to the wall. And essentially ruin my entire life. So, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't effort. But no, we need to have a sexy sex scene. Yeah, and I think that goes back to you talking about they framed everything in, in ways so the story is just giving you what they think people want to see rather than what actually makes this all work yeah it's just i i think my other problem with the time jumps is they would either have new characters or events that occurred or relationships that blossomed during the time jump but you don't really see 
any seeds planted for any of that. So when Rhaenyra has already, you know, two full grown sons <laughs> and they're not her husband's sons and everybody knows it, but we didn't really see any type of interaction or the start of a relationship between her and the father of these children who is then quickly killed off. So then there's no opportunity after the time jump to try and make up for that. I thought that was super weird. I thought when the Lord of Driftmark is grievously wounded and whichever battle, I think it was in the Stepstones again, which apparently yeah. is the worst place in Westeros in this show. Um, he's like mortally wounded potentially. And they just kind of throw that in there in a line of dialogue. They don't show that, nor <laughs> do they really show him at all until he makes a miraculous recovery <laughs> towards the end of the season. And so it's, it's almost like they have too much story they're trying to pack in to this one season. And so they're casually throwing these things, these important developments or occurrences or relationships, just sort of casually adding that information on right after a time jump. And it's, I don't know, it kind of feels like we're getting the spark notes version of what's happening and not <laughs> the actual story. And I don't know. I, you never kill off a, a, an important character off screen in TV. It's, and it's the same goes for, you know, a lot of your character development and your narrative. Like it's a visual medium. We need to see some of these things for them to have an impact. Because if you just kind of tack it on at the end, it's yeah, that that's a thing. But we're moving on now because we don't have time. Yeah, it's it's funny too that you talk about the the sea serpent, um, yeah. because also and this again, this is all like information that I quickly was able to pull up and look up. Um, sure. So in one of the, there's many proposed. Um, uh off uh spin-offs that's what i'm looking for there's there several spin-offs that people like want to do right and mm -hmm. one of the spin-offs that people want that's has been proposed is about him the sea serpent because he's like captain jack sparrow but like he's like captain jack sparrow but not a drunken a-hole He's like a cool swashbuckler and world renowned and famous. And you don't get any of that in this. So <laughs> and when is, I learned the rum, learned about, not, the rum is not always gone. So it's it just like when I learned that, I was like, wow, that's real disappointing that we don't get this character. We get some guy that is like angry about seas and trade and stuff like that. Just like, oh. you know, the good old Star Wars uh the, the the prequels that's what really sold the first movie of that was all the trade talk <laughs> yeah the trade routes uh <laughs> not, yeah, all that good yeah stuff. <laughs> so it just one of those like when i learned that i was like oh wow yeah that's what why are we getting this character like why are we getting this telling and not like at least showing them us him being a you know bamf and like going around and doing cool fun things and 
being that awesomeness, even for a scene or two. So we know that it's not just him like sitting on a shore going, man, we're totally going to lose to this crab guy. Who's also just, Oh my God, that crab thing. Yeah. I do crabs eat people. Um, I mean, they're scavengers as far as my understanding is. So I like, I would understand I've seen them like in jaws when there's like, the, the remains uh, wash up on the beach you see a bunch of crabs like scavenging for what's left from the corpse but like when somebody is still alive will crabs start devouring someone maybe i don't know i that's I me mean, that's a good question i have no idea i just kind of suspended my disbelief for that one and was just like all right cool it's With, like yeah that's not an actual gripe i have like <laughs> it's it's fantasy so whatever but i just i thought that was kind of weird <laughs> yeah my thing, though, is like the whole them, uh, the whole like fight scene for that makes zero sense. It is such a this character has plot armor and these characters are now going to make bad decisions because we need the we need the story to advance. Mm -hmm. The whole thing of like them being like, oh, we'll need to send a suicide person. Um, who will it be? And it turns out to be, you know uh doctor stabs you in the butthole who yeah. um and then they like the crab guy like he's got him pinned down right he's got him pinned down in a crappy little boat they're shooting arrows at him and the whole reason that they needed to do this secret mission was because they or this uh suicide mission was because they're like oh we need to lure them out so the dragon so we can use the dragons because they keep running back inside and then they're sitting there and they're shooting at him and they're shooting at him and then the the crab guy's like oh you two guys go out there after he's pinned down and after he's revealed that he's not surrendering and then those two guys don't make it and he's like send out two more guys right and then they send out two more guys send out two more guys oh he's he's pinned down now and stuck in this one very precarious position let me send out my entire army to take on this one guy that's pinned down in an old boat and I'm shooting it with arrows. Mm -hmm. No, that's just dumb. <laughs> like what? it's such a dumb choice because then the dragon shows up the exact thing they're looking out for. Do are all the guard, all the people watching for the dragon just effing off and getting slaughtered on the beach. No one's spending any sort of second to be like, Hey, well, we should probably watch the skies. Cause you know, that guy, is like important and they'll probably send the dragons to kill us. And these, the crab guys like mm, move forward. It's wasteful minions. Yeah. It was like he was playing the game on easy. So the enemy AI is very low and they make poor decisions. And then he also has like super speed on top of that. Yeah. It was just like watching it being like, this isn't believable. Why is this like, this is the, why were you guys having trouble with this dude? Just, just launch your dragons at this. I just don't understand. It's like a, a, they're like tactical nukes. Just do that over and over again. They're stuck on this rock. What's the problem? <laughs> yeah, didn't make a whole lot of sense. And then that part was just kind of over until it was not, and there was more conflict there. But they didn't have time to show us any of that. So. Yeah. <laughs> I would say character wise too, Damon. Uh, 
Doctor Who and doing the butt stabbing. Um, I thought he was probably the most disappointing character to me because with the way the show presents him to us in the first couple of episodes, he's kind of the wild card in a way. And he's been passed over or slighted, you know, for succession, so to speak. He's already fairly volatile. He's been carrying out these brutal, uh, these brutal rounds uh, with the city watch and, you know, just brutalizing dudes in King's Landing. And now he's, he's holed up in Dragonstone. Maybe this is, you know, where part of that conflict begins. And then he just kind of doesn't really do a whole lot after he goes to the Stepstones and comes back. Like he, he kind of has some layers of political intrigue, but he just kind of, it feels like they wasted um, his character and what he could have been for this show and the element of surprise that it's sorely needed that a character like him could have provided. And, you know, they just didn't do a whole lot with that. And I thought that was disappointing. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly there with the, they, uh, the political intrigue and then they can't, didn't do anything with him. Yeah. Um, I expect, really like the whole like yeah he was an he was an a-hole he was uh, a shit then he went off fought a little bit of a war and then when he came back and like brought the the little hammer thing and was like you know add it to this and then he and killed i guess so there was that but oh well yeah but that happened it happened afterwards right i, I can't even remember because it's just all skippy uh but yeah, that was around the middle of the series i think yeah Maybe but he like court. came back to court and he i thought i was like oh my gosh like the the him like hugging his brother and then reuniting and like kind of this whole thing i was like oh my gosh he's going to worm his way into the council he's going to become like the new he's going to become the new hand of the king uh, he's going to like he, he's realized that the way he was going about his political machinations was all wrong. He needs to hide his his um, ridiculousness to be able to get closer. And this is where that's going to come from. Yeah. And I was super excited for the start of that episode. And then by the end of that episode, he takes his niece and they go to the pleasure uh, pits. And there's the implication that they do or do not have sex. Um and I'm like, why the fuck would you do that? You literally just reunited with your brother. Your brother, your brother reached to you and hugged you and brought you into an embrace. He's bringing you back into the fold. Why are you doing something so, so controversial? Why would you do that? You literally just fucked up all the goodwill you've built. And what did he do? Fucked up all the goodwill he had just built. And it's almost like, wow this doesn't make sense that he would come back like this and then do this exact same thing in the same span of days, months, weeks, year, who knows? It's hard to tell with this show. <laughs> yeah. I, he kind of foiled himself in a way. And then he just winds up marrying Renera anyway, because that's what she wanted. And then I guess they're the new power couple now. So yay, but also, I don't really care. 
<laughs> I don't really care at that point because it's clear that all these characters are not driving the narrative, really. They're just kind of all along for the same generic ride that we are. And they're not really going to do anything out of the norm or that we aren't suspecting to impact the story in any significant way. Yeah, it's just more of cool. He's going to do mean things. Yep, more mean things. I'm sure he'll cut off some more heads. That's always fun. But I mean, at a certain point, the the violence and everything, I wouldn't say it's gratuitous, but it just seems like it. it's it's there to try and fill the void where there should be, like you said, political intrigue and character development and all that. You know, things stories have. Yeah, you know, <laughs> to keep us interested. Yeah. So I saw this show is probably not going to have season two next year. And I think one of the most telling things for me was at least, you know, when it first started, you know, there was a lot of uh, hype and suspense, you know, for the next season of Game of Thrones. And I think I probably would have been disappointed then if I had to wait for more than a year to see season two. And I, that's fine <laughs> for this show. Like, whenever. I, I, I don't really... It's not going to impact me that much. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, th I think we're on the same page then, Jesse. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a house of house of the dragon list 2023 and that's okay all right well um do you have any more thoughts you wanted to share jesse i think that was most of it um again i we i kind of just crapped all over it and didn't really talk about anything that i enjoyed i i did think there were some good performances in this and i felt like the actors did the best they could with what they were given i think particularly the leads um the dragons had some cool, did some cool things, but it just, it, again, it feels kind of hollow when you look at how something taking place in this world should feel, which is, uh, should have a lot of those elements we've discussed and they're dismissing it. And as a result, it's like, yeah, it's okay. It's, it, it doesn't seem special anymore though. Very true. <laughs> so, it's not. Yeah, I, I'm sure I'll watch season two whenever it comes out with with Natalie. But uh, until then, we'll we'll catch up on some of these other things that we've fallen woefully behind on. So I don't keep upsetting you. <laughs> Appreciate that. I'm yeah, telling you, there's there's really great stuff out there, but. <laughs> There, there is so much content out there, man. I Every time I get on any streaming service, I'm like, oh, you could watch TV all day, every day, not even come close to seeing everything. So it's crazy. I think, uh, yeah, I didn't really talk about a lot of other things I really enjoyed. I, I kind of agree with you that the dragon seemed kind of cool. I would have liked to see a little bit more about that. I would like uh, to see a lot more about that given that this is the Targaryen dynasty and all. Yeah. Um, I would also like, to, part of me would like to like know a little, like 
again, this is because I like got, I like read the book, but it would have been nice for it to be set up as a framing device that this is like somebody recanting the story to us or, um, I don't know. It just, it just feels like it's real shaky and just not the way I like, it just doesn't make me want the second season. I don't care enough. Like you said, it's going to come out in two years and I'm like, hmm, all right, well, I guess in two years I'll watch it in two years and three months after it's done. And then I'll probably still have the same thing. And yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll, I'm curious to see what other, like, hopefully they're listening to like the fans. Cause I feel like a lot of people have talked about it. Oh, and hopefully they'll freaking actually do editing correctly where, uh, you can see things in the damn castles and in areas so dark, needlessly dark. It's not a, a daytime show at all. I, I was literally at one point I watched it in my office everything else was turned off it was just on my screen and it was still too dark to see what was happening in some of the scenes like i feel bad for those the scenic designers and i feel bad for the costume people and the props people and the the all the people like you know the continuity guys because no one like if they didn't put something back or if they had mistakenly put a coffee cup out on a table from Starbucks, no one would have been able to see it on the table because it was so damn dark. <laughs> yeah, they they needed some more time in the oven on the editing side, which is becoming, unfortunately, more of a trend with the editing and the special effects with some of these big budget TV series that have been coming out, which is not a great trend. But uh, what's interesting about that, too, was that David Benioff and D.B. Weiss were the showrunners on the Game of Thrones series. And they didn't have, as far as I know, they were not involved at all with House of the Dragon. Um, they had new showrunners, you know, new crew was here running everything. And it's kind of interesting to me that it, it fell flat in certain ways compared to what they were able to do in Game of Thrones. And it's like, oh, you can't blame those guys for this one. <laughs> It's a new team, everybody. So, yeah, it's, maybe it's just some sort of corporate overlord that's controlling how these things are coming out, and they have a particular viewpoint on how things should look. Yeah. Is the real problem? Makes you wonder. Hmm. But that sounds like a topic for another episode. <laughs> yeah, not can't blame the mouse for that one. I don't think. <clears throat> yeah. Perfect. All right, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, Thank you for listening to Hit The Real, the podcast where we talk about the entertainment that we consume and what we really think about it. Uh, we try to get this podcast out weekly, usually on Saturdays, sometimes on Sundays, depending on how much I'm doing um, that weekend. Uh, just as also a future note, um, I will actually be on vacation next week. So if you're listening to this one, this one should be coming out on Saturday. But if the next one doesn't come out uh, on Saturday, apologize in advance. But uh, if we got something wrong in the episode, if I am incorrect by saying that those aren't dragons, those are wyverns, please cite your source in the email you'll send to me. And you have to put in the subject line, um, actually, 
I would love to hear from you at hit the real podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's hit the real podcast at gmail.com. Love being on actually, it'd be great. Uh, also, feel free to take a look at our Patreon in the description of the episode below. And uh, like always, hey, keep it real. Thank you.